would you consider yourself an adult? Uh, um, uh, uh. Is there a moment that you think, like, or something that could happen that would make you feel like, oh, now I'm an adult? You know what, I think for somebody who has never worked in a job that I was paid for, um, I've always been volunteering and everything, I think getting that first paycheck would be like, wow, okay, <laughs> this is real, you know? <laughs> Do you think of yourself as an adult? I think of myself as an adult who has a lot to learn. Hey guys, welcome back to Quite Frankly. I'm Leopold. And I'm Lauren. So, Laura and I are graduating in just a few weeks, and naturally, we're thinking about what that means. We're thinking about what's going to be like to go into the quote-unquote adult world. And we're going to think about what's going to be like to not be at Penn for the first time in four years. Yeah, and the next four or even two years of our lives are really not as clear-cut as they've been in college. Right now, for example, I don't know what I'm going to be doing or where I'll be past September when my summer internship ends. Yeah, and while I do know what I'll be doing for work, I don't really know what to expect. I feel like in the past, the path was kind of set and you just followed it. But once you graduate, the path isn't really as clear. And what it means to be in your 20s, just out there working, nobody really tells you what that's going to be like and what that entails. There are many unknowns. Yeah, and while Penn's given us a lot of career skills, it hasn't really taught us what it's like to function on your own in the real world. But, you know, why would it? We're here to take classes, to experience college life. But in 2017, there's a workshop for everything, even everything. on how to be a grown-up. And this year, Penn started a workshop called Hashtag Adulting, named after a book by that name, which teaches everything from how to do your taxes to how to make friends in a new city. It sounds almost a bit over the top, but students have actually been attending these weekly sessions for the past month. Clearly, people have a lot of concerns they want to work out before graduation. I talked to the guy who came up with the idea for the workshop, Student Wellness Communications Coordinator and 2016 graduate Ben Bolnick. Second semester senior year, I was really struggling, having a lot of anxiety about what was going to happen after graduation. Um, there were times where it was so bad that it was actually like really crippling, where I like was not functioning well at all. And I wasn't the only one. A lot of my second semester senior friends were, even if they had their jobs, even if they knew exactly what they were doing afterwards, they were struggling with, how are they going to make friends? They have an impending breakup. They have an impending long-distance relationship. They don't know where they're going to live. They don't know what they're going to do about money. You know, all, like, they love Penn. They don't want to leave Penn. They're going to miss everybody. Um, everyone is really struggling. And my friends and I would always joke, oh, we should have a support group. Like, we were all just, like, vent about all these things. But it was more of a joke than anything. But as I talked more and more with my friend Famida, um, one day I realized, wait, like, we can actually make this group for seniors. Like, why not? Like, she's still in Philly. I work for Penn. We can make this happen. So I called her up and I was like, Famida, let's make a hashtag adulting group for the seniors. She's like, great, Ben, I'm in, let's do this. So you went to one of these sessions, right? 
Yeah, I actually went to one that was on workplace etiquette and careers, and pretty much what it was like was just an informal discussion. There were a couple administrators there who were talking about their experiences um, and how to navigate careers. Um, one of them was uh, the communications person at VPUL, Monica Yankini, and the other one was uh, Pat Rose of Career Services, who you later talked to. Um, and it was really just a chance for students to ask questions about what it's like to function in the real world. And did these students seem like they were really stressed about like what to wear to their job and like etiquette like that's weighing on them every day yeah I mean I think it really ranged between you know the little things like you know how do you send an appropriate email to a coworker or to a boss um, to some more complicated things like should you actually drink at a work or recruiting event where alcohol is being served and you know how do you know when you should get out of a career, um, you know, how long do you give it a chance for before you say, this just isn't for me? And did you talk to any of the students? Yeah, after the event, um, I talked to an organizer and a student who attended. Um, the student I talked to seemed like, you know, she was actually pretty stressed out, and that's what really brought her here. She was looking for something that would kind of give her some peace of mind. Okay, so I'm a pre-med student, okay. and I'm supposed to go to med school. Um, and uh, so my parents are Nigerian parents, and they believe in, you know, once you start school, you go through everything before you take a break, right? So they don't really buy this idea of taking a gap year, things like that. I had to struggle to, like, get them to understand that I really need a gap year, right? Now the question is, okay, what are you going to do during that gap year? They want me to work in a lab, you know, the pre-med route, whatever. Um, um, because they think I need that experience. I've been working in a lab for two years. Like, I, I have that experience, you know. I'm really passionate about education, um, and I would love to do something there. Um, so there's just there's a lot of tension right now. I'm supposed to go home in two months with, you know, something to do, and um, I'm kind of, I don't know, I feel like I'm stuck. That was college senior Aluchi Okonkwo. I also talked to DP columnist Emily Hoven after this event, who said that the parent concern was also a thing, but she actually came to terms with it in a different way. I realized like that I could have extremely different opinions than my parents and like I guess live my life in a different style than theirs and like that's okay, if that makes sense. Sort of like I think part of becoming an adult is when you are really able to understand like the like how you were raised like the things around you and um the environment that you're in now and kind of be like okay I have taken all these things into account and like this is the way I want my life to be and these are the steps that I'm going to take and it's okay um if I have a different opinion or um you know about a certain issue and I think kind of really being able to stand on your own two feet to a certain extent and be like yeah I'm taking this road because I've weighed the options and like I've considered what I want and, like this is what's best for me and for my life um so for me, that was kind of like, oh, kind of like, oh, oh my gosh, like that's possible. And I mean, it's not like, it's not like my parents and I have radically different opinions, but it's just kind of the, the notion of if we, that were to happen, that's fine because you're your own person. In the past two years in her DP column, Growing Pains, she's explored the process of becoming an adult. In one of her columns, for example, she wrote about how you don't need to disassociate from your parents to become an adult. She told me that her columns actually connected her with a lot of people. Readers will reach out to her saying that they just want to talk about the process of growing up, which she finds to be the most rewarding part of being a columnist. Emily is actually graduating a year early this May, which has forced her to confront some of the issues of 
adulthood even sooner than other classmates that she entered with. I feel like I haven't necessarily had to grow up faster. I just think that um, I've had to, I guess, consider what my life, my adult life is going to look like more. And so I think a lot of that is like, okay, I really do have to figure out where I'm going to live and by what means because I like have to earn money and, um, you know, and have a job. And I'm like, well, what are my, kind of like, what are my ambitions? Like, what do, where do I see myself going and how am I going to get there? Because I think in Penn, when you're a student, it's easier to kind of, I guess, chart your ambitions because you can try for a certain GPA or for a certain internship or for a certain like club position. But afterward, it just becomes more nebulous because of course you can like, you can advance, but it's just, it's a, it's a more indirect path, it seems like. And so for me, it's just, um, I think kind of opened my eyes to, well, this, the world suddenly got a whole lot bigger, like in the past couple of months. And like now I guess trying to navigate that is, it's definitely intimidating because we're all kind of just like being catapulted out of pen and like try our hands at these different jobs we've never had before. And so I think, kind of my newness is kind of really um, hitting me with like a sack of bricks. And I'm like, I'm going to walk into this, um, my, my internship after I graduate, and literally I'm going to be like a child there because I've never done the kind of work that I'm going to be doing to that extent. And so I think the the aspect of really just being new and inexperienced again has kind of been, again, I think that's actually a really important part of growing up is kind of at every stage you become kind of like a child. Or you, you become um, really just like, you're fresh out, just like trying to do something, like you're, and that you're no longer comfortable to a certain extent. And I think that at Penn, part of the reason why I'm, I'm ready to leave, I think, is because I I feel comfortable. I mean, I, I've been here for three years. I, you know, yeah, I feel like I've adjusted, I've adapted, and like I'm ready to, to try my hand at something different. Yeah, so I actually read her column, and it's pretty clear that she's very comfortable in her own skin. Like, she wrote this one column about not feeling the need to go on one of these flashy spring break trips, and how it's okay to just go home and spend some time with your family. And I thought it was really interesting that she said that I think we feel the need at times to like do certain things that we see other people doing at our age. And she said there's nothing wrong with just, you know, acknowledging that you have a support system at home and you don't need to just show that you're like independent and like doing what everyone else is doing. Yeah, so that's, like that. that's definitely true. She definitely feels like a very self-assured sort of person. But, you know, even though she gives it all this advice on growing up, Emily definitely doesn't have it all figured out. Um, she's actually moving to Montana for an internship after graduation, a place she's never lived before, where she says she doesn't really know anyone, and she doesn't necessarily even consider herself an expert on growing up just because she writes a lot about it. Yeah, I mean, nobody has it figured out, but it's cool that she's willing to admit what she's going through and even, like, write a column about it. And clearly she has an audience because people um, have been emailing her with some of their concerns about being a grown-up and growing up, right? Yeah, absolutely. She gets people reaching out to her all the time. Um, Yeah, I think, like, when you think about it, everyone has some concerns about the real world, And I definitely heard that when I talked to Pat Rose, the director of career services. She told me that even though it seems like everyone knows what they're doing, um, she's constantly dealing with students who are worried about how to handle the job market and those who have no idea what to do with their lives. 25 years ago, people didn't go around talking about stress so much. Mm -hmm. Was there stress then? Sure. Mm -hmm. Plenty of it. Um, uh, And times, uh, and it, it is particularly stressful um, at um, when the economy is in recession or when um, things happen after um, 
2001. I mean, when things that are deeply unsettling, um, uh, uh, tragic things happen, then that adds an overlay of stress. And I would just say that, uh, and I've been talking about this a little bit with different groups, I, I give talks. Um, and I spoke to a group last week and I said, I have never seen as many known unknowns as we have right now in this world um, with uh, the new administration and um, some of the policies that are being enunciated. So uh, that adds a whole overlay for some students. Not all, but for some. So I think it's an unsettling time. I was really interested in hearing how Pat Rose handles those that come into her office without a plan. At Penn, it often seems like everyone is going into banking or med school or just like knows what they're doing, but I wanted to hear about those who show up to career services and don't even know what to do with themselves after graduation. How often does a student just come in here and say like, I don't even know what I want to do? A lot. And, and, and what do you say to those students? Well, um... Uh, you know, I should I should be clear. I don't spend a lot of time in those conversations, but people here in the office spend a lot of time trying to tease out students' interests. There are more people who come in here and they kind of remove their pen faces and they say, "I don't really have a clue." Because if you talk to students, I mean, it's one thing if you're in nursing, you, you you're gonna you're the great likelihood is is you're gonna work as a nurse. And engineers have, um, uh, you know, they can, they can sort of say, I'm going to be an engineer, and it will, it will follow if they're an electrical engineer, a computer scientist, or a bioengineer, what the path might be. But we find a lot of students who aren't in a specific uh, course of study who tend to um, use something like, I'm going to be pre-law as a shield because there is no set curriculum. Anybody can be pre-law, uh, and that's okay if you need to have a response. I talked to um, a parent last night. His son wants to be a gallerist. He wants to work in an art gallery. Well, that's fabulous. That's what he wants to do. So. Um, I think the the harder thing is to determine, gee, what are you, you know, come up with an idea. Even if it's an idea that's going to be difficult to achieve, we can strategize with you. So I think we both sort of fall under this camp of people who didn't really know what they wanted to do after college. Like for me, I knew I wanted to work in a community somehow, like broadly enough, and I knew that I wanted to maybe work in an area related to like what I had studied, like public policy, education, and you know, TFA kind of fit those interests I realized after a while, but I didn't know really what I was doing for a while. I was just kind of in flux. Yeah, so how did you end up coming across TFA and deciding like this is the thing that I can commit to for two years? Well, they kind of recruited me. They like come to Penn's campus and do coffee chats and all that. They're trying to like play the same game as the bankers, so I was kind of lucky in that sense. But, I mean, for a lot of people like you, you kind of have to just, like, 
cast your net out and see what's out there, right? Like, what was your process like? Yeah, definitely. I mean, in terms of journalism, things are a lot like that. I'm interning this summer at the Boston Globe. Um, And so, I mean, I basically just chose all of the top regional newspapers that I could think of and other news outlets and just tried to apply to as many places as I could, ended up getting an interview and offer from the Globe. So I was really lucky with that. Um, But I think at first I worried, like, what does it mean to take an internship right after graduation? Um, You know, there's no really set plan after that. I still have no set plan after that, and I really might not even know until the summer or after where I'll be. Um, But I've really come to terms with that, and I think I've realized it gives me a chance to just explore even more broadly what I want to do, because I can gain the experience over the summer and have time to think about what is it that I want to do. Because I, I think now, you know, I've done journalism a lot in my college experience, and I kind of want to see what's out there um, across the media industry, um, try new things. And it feels like committing to a job is, you know, settling on that thing, even though I know that it's not necessarily. Yeah. I think that at least you're willing to, like, pick an industry right now. So I think some people, when they come to Pat Rose's office, they are just like, I studied history, and I don't want to be a historian. So, I mean, I think you're lucky enough that you have an industry that you're going into. But I think also you're lucky that you aren't afraid to just go out and have an internship and not have a plan after three months. Um, I think what Pat Rose seemed to say is that, like, our generation broadly has this fear of just trying something and failing and not knowing what comes next. I, I think it's it's a sad commentary. Um, uh, it, uh, this may be partly uh, generational. Uh, your group is really good at coloring within the lines. And up to this point, there's been a really clear, um, a really, really clear um, way to indicate that you are successful. You're not failing. You did well in high school. You got into a great university. You're doing well. And you're going to graduate from a wonderful school. And up to this point, everybody will point to you and say, he's a great success. But then... Then the path gets foggy. And so, of course, it's really attractive to say, this person is going to work in a bank. And, you know, P.S., some of them won't like it. But at the end of the two years, then they may, there are other next steps. Um, A number of people go into private equity. A handful actually stay in the bank. Others do X or Y or Z. So it's the certainty that it's leading to something is very attractive. And in fact, I think there's a lot to be said for trying something that has, uh, there, there are possible next steps from it, but sometimes that's not possible. And sometimes you have to be like the tightrope walker and, and go out there and there's no net. You're, you're, you're walking out and there's no net. And you have to, it's, it's a way to, um, to test yourself. It's not easy. And being ready to fail, um, challenging yourself, is a tremendous, tremendous uh, benefit. There are many employers who say, we want people who aren't afraid to try things and aren't afraid to fail. 
Yeah, we definitely need to be willing to try and fail, but it's also important to be okay with struggling for a little while. Like, trying and failing doesn't mean to just get into a job for a couple months and then quit because you don't like it. Pat Rose talked about the need for recent grads to change their state of mind as they enter the real world. Students are students, but there's been uh, a transition, I think, increasingly to students as customers. And students say, I'm paying a lot of money for this. I am entitled to fill in the blank. When you are an employee, you are most assuredly not a customer. And you are not entitled to anything except for a respectful workplace where you will not be harassed. And you hope that you will be in a position to continue to learn. And if after a certain period you feel like you're not developing and learning, then you can look around um, for another opportunity. Um, I would caution students that we tend to see, sometimes around homecoming, the year after graduation, somebody's been out on a job for three months, four months, the novelty is worn off, and it's like, oh my God, I have to do this again today. <laughs> um, it becomes hard. And I think that's a hump you have to get over. I think Pat Rose points out that there are real adjustments to be made in the post-college world. Similar to freshman year when you realize that college isn't what you saw on TV or in a movie, being an adult isn't like being on Friends or How I Met Your Mother or something like that. So we wanted to talk to someone who is actually out there making those adjustments and figuring out what you need to do to be an adult in 2017. So we actually talked to a friend of Ben's, the guy who organized the adulting workshops. Her name is Sheila Shankar, and she's working in a psych lab on Penn's campus. She told me that at first, adult life was sort of isolating. Definitely in the summer, I struggled to just like rebuild a life. Um, since the campus was pretty empty, all of my friends had left, and also like students were not on campus anymore, so it was just generally quiet. Um, and I, I did definitely feel much more alone at that point. So clearly graduating from Penn and being left pretty much alone in Philadelphia was difficult for someone like Sheila, who said her structured days at Penn were really fulfilling, both socially and intellectually. And she said she intended to maintain that level of engagement when she graduated, but it's not that easy when you're working at 9 to 5 and you don't have the Penn bubble to support you. I was previously critical of people who had like just graduated and were spending a lot of free time just like hanging about or who had trouble like forming new community or like finding you know a sense of like purpose and belonging but it makes a lot of sense if you have to rebuild everything from scratch and you're no longer like being assigned readings and assigned homework and projects that like forces you to like keep stimulated so I found myself like auditing classes and reading on my own and like forming community in Philadelphia to try to rebuild what I had. So after a while talking to Sheila, I got the sense that that first summer was really tough. And actually, I find it kind of impressive that she did end up starting from scratch and did a pretty good job at establishing a network. She was really determined not to just, you know, go to work, go home, make dinner, and start all over again in the morning. She wanted to build a real life. I had been involved in, like, certain online Facebook groups um, that were, like, around activism and organizing and like South Asian communities, queer communities, immigrant communities and I just started like reaching out to them and showing up to their meetings or like scheduling coffee chats with them just to like build a network. Um, 
and you know I still volunteer through Civic House at um, there's a school called Mother Patshala on 45th and Market that's for Bangladeshi immigrants and their children as like an after-school tutoring program um, I'm involved in the Philadelphia South Asian Collective which is just like a like rad organizing group that does activism so clearly Sheila is really starting to get the hang of being in the world but things aren't perfect at all and I think that is true for a lot of grads, you know? It's a constant adjustment. You start to figure out what you can do on a day-to-day basis to make your life sort of meaningful outside of the job setting. You know, you join a club, you join a group of people, you join a sports team or one of those things that can make you feel fulfilled in the way that Penn made you feel fulfilled, maybe. Yeah, absolutely. And I know for you, you're going back home to what's home for both of us, New York City. So... Do you feel like you're going to have an adjustment period, even though you're back in a place that you already know? Yeah, I mean, I'm lucky enough to be moving back with my parents, so I don't have to do some of the adulting things, like rent. (laughs) But I do think I'm going to have to adjust to working all the time and also going to grad school at night. I think that's going to be hard. And then I'm going to have to find time to, you know, like, see my friends and my girlfriend and go to the gym, let alone, like joining a volunteer group or, you know, doing community gardening. Like, I don't even know when I'm going to have time for any of that. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a constant tinkering to figure out, like, what a good balance is for me. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. I mean, for me, I realized that, you know, when I'm moving to Boston, that's the first new city that I'll be living in since coming to Penn and living in Philly. So it's definitely going to be weird doing that all on my own without you know, the support of a college around me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm lucky that I know a few people who are going to be there over the summer, and, you know, it's still kind of a short-term thing at this point. Yeah, and I think sort of similar to the pen face phenomenon that we talk about all the time, um, people are kind of unwilling to admit that they're piecing things together and that things are difficult. Um, they kind of want to just act like, they are just enjoying their new job and enjoying their new life and everything is good. Like, talking to Sheila, it seemed like, you know, people want to put on that front at times. So we talked for a little while about what it's like to open up about the struggles that you're going through in the real world. Among certain people in my friend group, there is a lot of openness. Um, I think it, it is very difficult and it can be, it can feel like shameful at times, I think particularly if you have this wonderful job and you're living in the city and you know everything is supposed to be wonderful but you don't have a social life and you're not feeling fulfilled and I think particularly like if you've had the privilege of having a wonderful education and you have all these opportunities and like your life is seemingly like on the correct track you know why should you be unfulfilled is like the logic I guess. So I definitely think that there's a lot to this idea of doors closing. I definitely had this thought that if I do choose one thing, I'm closing doors to a bunch of other things, right? You know, if I go into this field, I'm rejecting all the other fields, and that is kind of jarring. But I also think that I've come to terms with the fact that, you know, new doors are going to open, and new experiences that I didn't even know were possible are going to appear. You know, opportunities are going to appear. But I do really think that um, I'm going to keep feeling the pressure to make the right decision and do the thing that's going to make me the most happy. And Sheila did seem to have a good grasp on what she was doing and 
you know, how she was handling everything. So I asked for some final advice on being an adult at the end of our conversation. Recognize that you are in fact like not like not yet mature and like not yet an adult in like any way. And you're like so at the beginning stages of your life, although it seems like I graduated college, like I have a job now, you know, I'm like in the world. You actually are a child. And so like being a child gives you a lot of opportunities to still like grow and learn and like make choices. And it's like not as serious or as set as it may seem. And so I think like recognizing that and like taking it very seriously and taking it slowly in the beginning is probably my best advice. At the end of the day, this is something that every young adult goes through. Like our parents figured out all of the little things over time. Yeah, I mean, it's normal to just figure things out over time, but I think with our generation, it seems like being your 20s is this extended period of childhood. Like, especially in popular culture, you'll see shows like Broad City or Girls where everyone works in a startup or a coffee shop and just, like, can't handle life at all and are just basically, like, big babies. Yeah, it's clearly this, like, quote-unquote millennial thing to be just like, oh my god, being an adult is so hard, what do I do? And the fact that there's a hashtag called adulting just speaks to the sense that we're all kind of children pretending to be adults. Like, if you go on Twitter, you'll see people saying ridiculous things like, oh, just did my laundry, hashtag adulting, just cooked for myself, hashtag adulting, just wrote a check, hashtag adulting. Yeah, it's... Kind of absurd, and it's funny because it implies that we don't really think that we're adults when we do something like hashtag adulting, you know? And so we decided to ask some people what they thought about the rise of this term, like hashtag adulting. I think adulting more than anything is um, the mindset of being proactive about your own life, Mm. taking tangible steps without expecting someone else to do it for you. You know, you're not expecting a meal to be served at you in a dining hall anymore and you're just going to pay for it with a meal swipe. You're going to proactively at the beginning of the week buy groceries and cook and then bring food with you if you're not going to be home for whatever meal. Um, It's going out of your way to meet people and make friends because you're not necessarily going to just be in class or clubs and meet people. All the things that you may or may not have taken for granted beforehand, um, being more proactive about it. For a lot of people, um, that means money. Um, I mean, without overgeneralizing, a lot of people in college are financially dependent on their parents. For the first time in their life, they have to make money to make things happen. So it seems like for Ben, this term hashtag adulting is just a harmless way of pointing out the absurdity of growing up and becoming an adult. But DP columnist Emily Hoven wasn't exactly as cool with the term. She said that while it might not be so bad, it still kind of trivializes the really real things that people have to go through when they're becoming adults. Adulting to me almost has, um, this is kind of how to, really know how to phrase this, a sort of like like BuzzFeed connotation, if that makes sense, where it reminds me like, oh, adulting, like I'm figuring out how to, like picture like, oh, I'm figuring out how to pay my bills or, oh, I'm drinking wine at like 8 p.m. or like whatever it is. Like I, to me, it sort of seems... Um, 
I think it's almost like, not like the commodification of adulthood, but to a certain extent, I think it's a way in which adulthood um, has become synonymous or it's often identified with like certain, I guess, like cliche tropes that people invoke and like, oh, I have all these bills. I've only drinking coffee all day. Like, you know, um, and I'm kind of like, oh, you know, and I think that a lot of the, um, I mean, I think that it, it, it does address certain aspects of things that people are because adulting I think is also an interesting word because it kind of the ing at the end kind of again implies like an ongoing action so like you're never really finished with it but I think that it also to a certain extent trivializes it I think that um it's like a cute and kitschy term but I think that there's a lot of things about adulthood that you know um are difficult and like like I said before uncharted and so it's kind of like you 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 can't always reduce it to like something that like sounds cute or like, you know, that I don't know, is like nice to share like in a BuzzFeed article. So the truth is that we are definitely doing adult things. Like it's not like we aren't getting jobs or paying taxes or paying rent, etc. But the fact that hashtag adulting exists and these, you know, shows about being in your twenties and not being able to handle the real world and these workshops where you learn how to make new friends, it just kind of shows that the transition to adulthood is kind of shifting. Um, the stages of life are kind of changing in the 21st century, I think. And Aziz Ansari actually talks about this idea in his book, Modern Romance. It's this idea of emerging adulthood. And the truth is, our generation is marrying later. We're not buying homes anymore. We're paying off our student debt, and we're still on our parents' insurance until we're like 25. We're not making the full leap into being fully independent humans quite as quickly as previous generations may have. So maybe we just have to admit it. Yes, we're doing adult things, but that doesn't mean we're going to be fully independent adults right away. And that's just the new normal. This episode was produced by Joyce Varma and edited and hosted by Leopold's Bonegeller and me, Lauren Feiner. Our music was composed by Andrew Ellis. Quite Frankly is presented by The Daily Pennsylvanian. If you're interested in joining our team or just want to shoot us a comment, email us at podcasts at the dp.com. Thanks for joining us.